last second of the temporada. The respect we have from the league, the respect we have from expert pundits, the respect we have from ref, that's where we are, man. Let it be fuel, it's important to acknowledge it. We're going to define where we go. We're a much better team. The actions, the results will speak for itself. That's why we put the work in it. Live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Pundits, beware. Major League Soccer coaches are watching what you say about them, especially Herc, uh, in the preseason. Nice jacket over there. Thank you. Uh, an admirer, a fan sent this to me, gave this to me. <laughs> huge fan. Well, not huge in terms of stature and size or height, but in terms of his admiration for me. Yes. So thanks, Seb. Yes, uh, it was a gift from me uh, showing that I do, uh, I do every once in a while do something nice for you uh, over there on the West Coast. It is a little bit big. I'm sorry. I thought you'd been going to the gym. You know, you talk about it all the time. Thought maybe you'd, you'd be filling out that. You know, I talk about riding the bike medium, and lunch at the gym. That medium over That's there. The schmedium. All right, uh, coming up, we got a lot to get to uh, on this show. We have a final set in Liga MX. Uh, it does not involve my beloved America. Uh, they were eliminated by Toluca, so it's going to be Toluca against Pachuca. We'll have a, uh, a look ahead to that and a look back on the weekend that was in Liga Mekis. Julie Foudy is going to join us a little bit later uh, on in the show. We also have a final Herc set in the NWSL, so we'll talk about that a little bit. We will also, of course, react to the draw for the U.S. women's national team ahead of next summer's World Cup. We got uh, a big weekend uh, in Europe for those from CONCACAF abroad. Some goals, Weston McKinney, Gio Reyna, Ricardo Pepe, just to name a few. And, and Chucky Lozano, who has been on fire, coming under fire from one of the biggest names in all of coaching. But let's start with the MLS playoffs, Herc, and a Texas Derby. Austin, Dallas, Western Conference semifinals on Sunday at a packed Q2 Stadium, 15 minutes in, Diego Fagundes with the free kick. He misses just over the bar. Another look at it, and you can tell he did not miss by much. Austin strike first in the 26th. Musa Jite making it 1-0, Herc. Yeah, only his fourth start of the year. The previous three have all been ties for Austin. Uh, got on the scoreboard here, proving Joshua right. Three minutes later, Sebastián Driussi, and it's 2-0 Austin. Jite dragging the mark, rather, the defensive mark. Opening up the lane, and Driussi, who's been on fire, MLS Cup playoffs, puts it in. Dallas striking back in the 65th minute. Who else? Alan Velasco, 2-1. Yeah. yeah, it had to be him, and he had an opportunity just before that. Circumstantial bounces to him off Alexander Ring, but from that distance, he's not going to miss. 87th minute chance for Dallas, but Brad Stuver the save. Yeah, highlighted right there. Thought he had it back door. O'Brien uh, heads it down, but look at Stuver with the leg, kick save, and a beaut. Austin at home goes on to win 2 1. They advance to the conference finals in just their second season in Major League Soccer. Very impressive. Nobody more impressed with Austin than Austin themselves, especially their owner. Uh, Anthony Precord, who was tweeting on Monday, so he had a night to sleep on it, tweeting on Monday, a laminated copy of the preseason picks from various MLS writers, along with the caption, quote, always know where we are going, but never forget where we came from. Another bonus match. Herc, Austin are embracing, I mean really embracing the underdog role. Are you cool with it? I am cool with it. 
I am cool with it. You saw the little montage, the little uh, cold up, and we had a Josh Wolf. Mm -hmm. Anything you can to get your team going, to get yourself going, create enemies, create scenarios, whatever you can, put that chip on your shoulder, prove people wrong, do it. It's BS, but do it. <laughs> but Anthony Precourt. Anthony Precourt, the owner, the audacity, the lack of self-awareness, my man. Mm -hmm. Remember where you came from? Did you not try <laughs> to rip apart a community in Columbus for the betterment of your wallet, trying mm -hmm. to send it to Austin? Do you not remember the hashtag Save the Crew movement? My man, a little humility, a little self-awareness. Too bad. I'm sorry that writers and content creators for Major League Soccer Decided not to put your team into the Western Conference Final in their predictions. A team that had less points than games played last year. A team that had a West-worst 21 defeats last year. They didn't put you into the Western Conference Final and you're saving receipts? This is really what you're doing? Do what you got to do if you're a player or a coach to get you there. But Anthony Precourt. Yes. Seriously. Yes. Seriously. Never forget where we came from. I mean, that is rich. For those who don't know, of course, uh, Anthony Precourt, the owner at the center of the Save the Crew saga, threatening to take his franchise from Columbus to Austin, which, of course, he eventually did. And I think if it were up to Anthony Precourt, there'd be a team in Austin, and who cares if there was a team in Columbus? Thank goodness the fans in Columbus proved they were worthy, and they found uh, other ownership. So, yeah, very rich from Anthony Precourt, but generally I don't have a problem with it. One, because as you saw in the video, Josh Wolf has been doing this since February, so it's been Got consistent. Two, it, it's worked, right? Clearly they finished second, they had a great season, uh, and we saw it from Felipe Martins after they beat RSL. He tweeted about it, so it's not just worked on the field. Like, clearly hurt the players are buying into this message. I also think it fits them probably for everything that's left this season. Right? Uh, against LAFC, I think most people will pick LAFC. And if they make the final and they have to go away to Philly, I think most people will pick Philly. And even if it's New York City, it's the defending champions at that point. So I think Austin FC can can hold on to this underdog status, at least for the rest of this season. You could hold on to it, Seb. I don't know if it's true, necessarily true. They're going to go play against LAFC, who they beat both times. They played home and away this year. A combined score is 6-2. to two. They've outscored them. They also happen to have an MVP candidate in Sebastian Drusi, who is on fire. A real candidate. Chicho Arango is an amazing player, but mm. by no means should be there over Gazdag. I mean, we're, we're talking about Sebastian Drusi is probably going to lose out to Honey Mukhtar, but he's been the best player in these playoffs, hands down. Okay, so uh, Austin, then it sounds like Herc's pick to win Major League Soccer <laughs> Is that what you got but, out of that? I, that's what I got out of that. But, uh, but we'll get to that a, a little bit later on. What about the other side uh, of this Texas Derby, Herc? And that's FC Dallas, who are out, which means so is Jesus Ferreira. He had zero goals and zero assists in 210 minutes yeah. across two games uh, in the playoffs. So with the World Cup looming and Jesus Ferreira likely to play a significant role for the U.S., is the playoff slump something, nothing, or everything? It's everything. It's everything for pundits. It's everything for fans. It's everything for Jesus Ferreira. Uh, why? Because it seems when the competition is increased, when the intensity is increased, we're starting to see something that should be a little terrifying for Jesus Ferreira. A player who, in the eyes of many, is the de facto starter for Greg Berhalter at the nine position is in a slump and is in one of those slumps that Nines shouldn't be in heading into the best or the most important moment of their lives. 
We're talking about a player that has seven goals for the U.S. men's national team, but if we analyze those seven goals, two of them were in a 7-0 win against Trinidad and Tobago. One was in a 5-1 win, win, excuse me, World Cup qualifying against Panama, and the other was four goals uh, against Granada. Uh, goals are goals, but when that competition is increased, uh, whether it's Mexico, whether it's Canada, whether it's El Salvador, whether it's Morocco, Uruguay, uh, you start seeing some lapses in his play. You start seeing these blind spots that many see that maybe Greg Berhalter doesn't see, and that is worrisome for Jesus Ferreira because confidence is key for a striker. So I think it's everything, but I disagree a little bit on, on this idea that, that the goals have truly dried up, right? I know we see the last seven there. Um, if you go over his last five games in Major League Soccer, the last three of the regular season uh, and the two games in the playoff, there's zero goals. But if you go to the five games immediately before that, I'm not picking random five, just the next five before that, he had six goals in those five games. So I, I think we can say he's streaky. And right now in this very, very brief window, he is struggling. But if you look, Herc, at his last 14 games, and this is where the big concern comes in. In Major League Soccer, he has one assist. And the story, the narrative around Jesus Ferreira is he's a 10 baked into a 9. He brings all those others into the game. That's his strength. Now, I'm not saying assists are the only metric to prove if you're bringing others into the attack. But one assist in 14 games, that's not nearly the production that we're likely or that we have expected to see from him in MLS. So for me, this is everything, especially, Herc, when it comes to his playing time chances at the World Cup. We're going to get to it later in the show, but it doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? Everybody else in this conversation is being productive while he's struggling, and that has that's to be it. acknowledged here. That, that's the thing. You've got Josh Sargent being productive. You've got Ricardo Pepe being productive. You've got Jordan Pifak being productive. You had Brandon Vasquez also being productive. While we can't really say he's part of that conversation, but then you have Jesus Ferreira maybe not quite as productive or not quite productive in the way that Greg Berhalter told us he should be productive. And I called that game Austin versus Dallas. When they were down two goals, uh, Estevez, Nico Estevez's move, the, the, the guy who operates the same way as Greg Berhalter, who was part of his coaching tree, his decision was to put in Franco Jara, a 34-year-old uh, center forward, and, and drop. Jesus Ferreira, hmm. his leading goal scorer, Franco Jara only scored four goals all season, drop him into a creative attacking midfielder role. So that's got to tell you something there. And now the worst part about it is he doesn't have the next game to try to get better in the eyes of any or many. It's over. And no yeah. more Major League Soccer for Jesus Ferreira this season. He's got to wait and train in a camp with U20 players and the rest of the Major League Soccer players who are out of the playoffs. So Austin advance at the expense of FC Dallas in one Western Conference semifinal. In the other Western Conference semifinal, we of course had a Clásico Angelino. LAFC against the LA Galaxy. No Gareth Bale in this one. 12 minutes in, Ricky Pooch goes down. He only gets a yellow, Herc. Should he got a red there? Nah. Nah, Murillo made you it. You sure? A lot yeah. of people thought it should have been a red. I've a seen that people. given as a red. I've seen less given for red, but I, I thought this was fine. Yes. Playoff game. Let's keep everybody at 11. 23 minutes in. LAFC find their first through Dennis Boanga. Assist to Carlos Vela. Yeah, it's a good move by Boanga. Watch this right there. He does enough to outmuscle Diego Costa. Not that that's very difficult. And gets his goal. Galaxy get their equalizer just before the half. Samuel Grandseer makes it 1-1. Yeah, you can't redirect that ball there. And it's Grandseer who's going to bring this down and just lace it through. It's tied up. 1-1 at the half, 1-1 late, 80th minute. Dennis Bawanga, again, 2-1 LAFC. Yep, 
I actually thought that there may have been a, a, a slight offside here, but then you, re you re-watch it and you realize it wasn't. It's 2-1, but then it's Jovalich. It's always Jovalich. He's an LAFC killer, and it's 2-2, Sabi. Yep, Galaxy equalizing in the 85th minute. Jovalich to make it 2-2. So we go to stoppage time. LAFC looking for a late winner. They find it. Chicho Arango on the doorstep. Yeah, it's Boanga. Victor Vasquez leaving his man open. Boanga laces it or insteps it, and it's Chichorango, right place, right time. And then, who do you give a hug to? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I know. What uh, scenes there, scenes uh, at Bank of California Stadium, perhaps best left at that. So, LAFC, Herc, they proved you wrong. You picked the Galaxy to win this game. They uh, have they proven themselves to be not just title ready, but let's put it this way, title favorites. Title favorites, because you seem to be pretty high on Austin. O sea, sí, pero no. Now, let me explain myself. Those uh -huh. of you who know what that is, that famous sticker on WhatsApp, uh, will know what I'm talking about. Uh, they proved themselves because they won the game and they scored the important goals and got their DP involved in, in two of those goals. And Boanga got him going in. Chichorango, who's been going since inception for LAFC this season, got on the scoreboard. Pero no, because for a large portion of that game, they were outplayed by the Galaxy. In possession, they lost that battle uh, and also gave up two goals uh, as the home team against a Galaxy team that really took it to them. You would have expected more from LAFC. They've not been their dominant selves like they were for the majority of the season, so no. And now they're going to face a team in Austin that, as I've already mentioned, already handled them twice. And, and, and a team that hasn't had as much player turnover who really knows more about who they are uh, I'm not sure we've gotten a lot of answers that we've wanted to out of this LAFC team I mean there was a moment where Carlos Vela comes off and there's more Carlos Vela confusion same mm. confusion we saw with Bob Bradley same confusion we've seen already in the past where am I hurt am I not hurt and he comes off and it doesn't shake Sifarano's hand when he's coming off so there are more questions Gareth Bell another one Chiellini another one than answers and I don't know if they're the clear favorites right now. The road through or to MLS Cup may go through Los Angeles, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know if LAFC is the clear favorite. They are by far right now a team that surprised me because that resiliency, when they when Jovo scored that second goal, I thought they were going to pull. That's fold. what it I is. I thought they were going to buckle. They did not. Especially given the history, right? Given LAFC's history, not just in the playoffs, but against the LA Galaxy, you thought, okay, here's the moment. Here's the LAFC meltdown. I think they proved that they are title ready. I think that they proved that they are title favorites. A lot of that, as you mentioned, has to do with the fact that if they win out, they will play the rest of their games at Bank of California Stadium. I think you have to remember 2019, right? Because they also got a very similar win, a cathartic win over the LA Galaxy. And then what happened the next week at home? They lost to Seattle Sounders. It was a huge failure. So I think there's probably some ghosts there for LAFC. I also think they've proved something else here, Herc. They don't need... Gareth Bale. LAFC does not need Gareth Bale. He's not in the 18 for this game. And if you look at it, even if they would have needed to go to the bench, the game didn't really demand it, right? Uh, they got their goal in the 80th minute. 85th, there's an equalizer. Maybe, maybe they could have added more firepower. You still had Teo on the bench. You still had Latif Blessing on the bench. They didn't even get to those guys. I think it's pretty clear right here that, that Gareth Bale's not needed by LAFC. And beyond that, from a U.S. perspective, I think it's fair to start to question just what Gareth Bale's status is going to be at the World Cup. Because here is a, a must-win game for his team, and he was a do-not-play less than a month to the World Cup. Either 
either there's a concern about his fitness or LAFC is getting ripped off. There's a concern about his fitness, and I don't know if LAFC is getting ripped off, but I agree with you that not only did they not need him this game, but they've not needed him all season. Mm. And you can make the same argument for Giorgio Chiellini. You could make an argument that LAFC has looked worse with both of them in the lineup, and that's why I think you saw neither of them in this lineup. Uh, Giorgio Chiellini came on, and as much as we all love Giorgio Chiellini and you want to see players of that stature come into Major League Soccer and embrace it the way he has, mm. it's surplus. It's actually a weaker squad with Giorgio Chiellini in there. Uh, Murillo and, and uh, Eddie Segura are, are two very capable center backs that I think in this moment are your tandem. But as far as Gareth Bell, Gareth Bell comes and Opoku, all of a sudden, a, a player that was having a banner year for you, is, is surplus and is deemed not necessary. And he comes on in this game and he changes the game for LAFC. So I, I don't think it's just this game, Seb. I, I think it's been all season, Gareth Bell. So LAFC then move on. Let's move on to the LA Galaxy, Herka, because they see their season come to an end. It's going to be now eight years that the LA Galaxy have gone without an MLS Cup, their last title, 2014. Landon Donovan and company were still running the show. Uh, specifically here, Herc, should the Galaxy do something about their relationship with Javier Chicharito Hernandez? This was his third season with the team. There is still no silverware. Is it time for the Galaxy to cut ties with Chicharito, who reportedly has another year left on his deal. He will remind you that this clause has been picked up and he has another year and he will be here with the LA Galaxy. I will remind Javier Hernandez that having a contract with the LA Galaxy as a DP means absolutely nothing. Oof. If you don't believe me, ask Omar Gonzalez and where he ended up. Ask Giovanni Dos Santos and the $6.5 million the Galaxy ate to get him out. It means absolutely nothing. Under no circumstances should the Galaxy next year have a Luis Suarez, Javier Hernandez, partnership. You don't weaken your team. You have to strengthen your team. That is one of the problems right now with the Galaxy front office. Forget about the names for a second. Major League Soccer has changed. Javier Hernandez is 34 years old. Success to Javier Hernandez, not my words, his, will mm -hmm. be deemed on the amount of titles he holds, he lifts, not the amount of goals he scores. 34 years old, and he will weaken your team if you can't get better elsewhere. You have Jovalich, you have other players, you have a new Major League Soccer model where it's players like Hani Mukhtar, where it's players like Sebastian Drusi, where it's players like Tati Castellanos, where it's players like Alejandro Pozuelo, where it's players uh, of that caliber, Tati Castellanos, who are the best players in Major League Soccer. How much have you gotten out of them in these three years where you can deem it a success? On the field, I know the goals are there, but look at the type of player he is. You can do much more if you get him off the team. Now, mm. I love Javier Hernandez, but you have to supply Javier Hernandez. And if you can't be that team, if you can't structure a roster to completely nurture and feed this player, then get him out. Okay, uh, you mentioned the name Luis Suarez there. Are you saying bring in Luis Suarez to replace Chicharito? I'm saying you can't have both. Uh, if you want to bring in Luis Suarez to replace Chicharito, Luis Suarez could probably do a little bit more for himself than Javier Hernandez, no doubt. But you need to strengthen the team. The Galaxy lost this game against LAFC, not because the talent that was in the starting 11, but because the lack of depth. Uh, when Cabral came off the bench, when Victor Vasquez came off the bench, it was taking the well, uh, sorry, the, 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 the wind out of their sails. It, it was over for the LA Galaxy. Victor Vasquez can no longer compete with the intensity, with the moment of the game. Cabral has been lost all season. When they most needed depth, that's where they lacked. I don't think you can strengthen this team by focusing on Javier Hernandez or a Luis Suarez type. 
Sure, and with Dejan Jovalich doing what he's doing, he is 23. There's probably going to be interest from abroad at some point, but uh, it's an answer and a much cheaper answer at that goal-scoring position. You could take that money and maybe uh, do something else with it. All right, we talked a lot about the Western Conference, Herc. Let's talk about the Eastern Conference. On Sunday, it was New York City against Montreal in Montreal. And an upset special six minutes in. Maxi Morales of the defending champions makes it 1-0. Yeah, Maxi Morales isn't missing from that distance. Uh, keeper already beat. He just kind of had to lift it, scoop it in there. Uh, one of the easiest goals he'll score, and it's New York City FC 1-0. Yep, good start for New York City. 32nd minute, huge save here from Sean Johnson. I mean, that's just massive. Kone finds himself naked back door. He's got to put that one in, but Sean Johnson, just massive. Just before the half. Hey there, 2-0 New York City. Yeah, Iber, he's a goal scorer. That ACL has put him behind the eight ball over the last couple of seasons, but you can't leave him roaming around in the box. Little nice move, and all alone, 2-0 New York City. New York City enjoying a cushion at the half, 61st minute. Dallas Magno steps up and makes it 3-0. Montreal would get un gol de l'honor from Georgi Mihailovic to make it 3-1. But in the end, New York City advance. Herc, I will admit, I was surprised by this result, even though New York City are the defending champs. Were you? I wasn't necessarily surprised that they beat Montreal because this is the defending champs. I was surprised that they beat Montreal in this manner. I mean, this is a Montreal team that had a uh, record points uh, in their franchise history in Major League Soccer. A Montreal team that's coming off five straight playoff games at home that they win. They're very strong at home against a New York City team that midway through this campaign was in shambles. Midway through this campaign last, their head coach, Ronnie Elliott, and also La Stati Castellanos, who was their MVP and the Golden Boot winner last year, it was weakened. Nick Cushing's team was weakened. They went on this ridiculous run where they were unrecognizable. And in the last five games, they outscored opponents 12 to 3. This is a completely new York, New York City team that's proven it doesn't matter where they play, they'll take on that Road Warriors kind of mentality. But I did not expect this type of beatdown in Montreal. Yeah, I was surprised. One, because I really had a lot of respect for Montreal, and I certainly thought that at home they would have the emotional edge, and clearly they didn't hear because you see New York City obviously got off to a, a, a very quick start there. But I think we've been sleeping a little bit on New York City here, right? We've been very focused on Dyla leaving. We've been very focused on Tati leaving. We've been very focused on their stadium issues. Everybody in, uh, in Major League Soccer rooting for Austin, right? And their banner issues rooting for Austin so that we definitely wouldn't have an MLS Cup uh, anywhere in New York City, anywhere at a baseball stadium. So I think we focus a lot on the negative with New York City. Uh, but to your point about the manager, Nick Cushing, we got to give him some credit as an interim, having having taken the job midseason. He's done an exceptional job. We also have to give credit for, to Sean Johnson. I mean, New York City is nothing without this guy. Seven huge saves in this game uh, against Montreal. You can't tell the story of this game and a lot of New York City's success without really shining a spotlight on Sean Johnson. Elsewhere in the Eastern Conference, Herc, uh, last but not least, the game that was uh, underway when we were actually on air on Thursday, Philly and Cincinnati. This one was 0-0 into the second half when Andre Blake, stop me if you've heard this before, just makes an incredible save. Yeah, I I'm gonna stop you. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, check this replay. It's, he's oh. ridiculous. He's ridiculous. He's all-time GOAT status right now. Three straight goalkeeper, or not three straight, but three goalkeeper of the year uh, awards. And then look at this golazo outside of the boot. Who scored this? Who Leon scored this? Leon Black. Was Who? it a shank or was Who? it a strike? 
Woo, no, this is a strike and a half. My man meant to. So uh, Brandon Vasquez with a late chance, but Andre Blake with another huge stop for Philly, who go on to win one nothing. They advance. The bigger question, though, is did anybody in Philadelphia notice? Go Phillies! Um, Let's go Phils. Okay, listen, Phillies taking over. The, no, the Phillies are taking over. Also, the Eagles, the Flyers, the Sixers. Uh, I don't know. But listen, wait, the who? The Union. Go Phillies! Go Phillies! The Union. Like the Blue The soccer team. Perks, something, nothing, or everything. The Union win, but seem to not be making very much of a mark in the city of brotherly love. How dare you, Salazar? How dare you insult the good people of Philly right there? I, because two fans didn't know who the Union were? Don't waste my time with this. And if anybody out there has Philly Union gear, I would mm -hmm. gladly sport it because that, that jacket <laughs> that Jim Curtin had on was fire. Don't waste my time with this. Yes. Uh, so I will say it's everything, but not, not necessarily in, for Philly. This is, this is a major league soccer everything because I don't think this is unique to Philadelphia. It's a problem, Herc. It's a problem that Philadelphia, a major market, when the team has the success as it has, Come on, uh, doesn't register. Two random register. fans. That's a problem. Two That's random fans. Dude, they had no idea. They thought two they were blue fans in DC that have no idea who DC United is. That's the I point. Can find two That's the point. I could find There's two random fans who have no idea who the Nationals are. In, in, in cities like New York everywhere. and Houston and Boston and Philadelphia in major, major American sports markets where the MLS team can be very good and they still don't register. That's something. Now, Philadelphia, you could say it's nothing because they're very relevant. Obviously, they're relevant when it comes to Major League Soccer. They're relevant when it comes to the global yeah, market. Exactly. I yes. mean, yes. you know. Okay, sure. But, sure, Salazar. Okay. Come on, man. Get that You out love of here. Philadelphia. You love Send Philadelphia. Send me some gear, Philly. All right, uh, so we don't have the Eastern Conference Finals. We do have the Western Conference Finals, though, on ABC on Sunday. LAFC against Austin on ABC and ESPN Deportes. Coverage starts at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Second leg, Liga Mekis semifinals, Club America, Toluca. Saturday night at Azteca. Toluca up 2-1 up 
after the first leg. Add another goal to it here, 29th minute, Jorge Torres Nilo. Pechu, Pechu, that's his nickname, Pechu, with el pecho off his chest, 1-0. Six minutes later, Alejandro Zendejas with the equalizer at the back post. You know, it'd be really something if he appeared on a 55-man list for somebody, for, mm. for one of those national teams. That'd be crazy, right? Late on, America need a goal. Henry Martin gets it. There oh, you go, Celebration scenes everywhere. 3-3 on aggregate. America going through on the tiebreaker, but wait. VAR, offside. Hard to argue. And Toluca advance. 3-2 on aggregate after the 1-1 draw. All right, Herc, how did Toluca pull it off? Uh, Toluca pulled it off with the help of the America errors. And when I talk about America errors, they were both in the away game, in the first game, and in the second leg. You can go back to Memo Ochoa. Yes, Memo Ochoa. He's so sure for El Americanismo coming out and making a meal in the first goal of that service. Goal number one. Emilio Lara, the error for the penalty kick. That's error number two. The constant miss or missing of chances in front of goal, Diego Valdez. You can go back to uh, uh, to the, what's his name, uh, the Spanish player. Fidalgo. Thank you, Alvaro Fidalgo. Uh, you can go back to the second leg where Tano Ortiz commits his own errors and he doesn't start Jonathan Rodriguez, the league's highest paid player in a must win game at home. And then you can go to that same game where he decides to take out the two best players. Richard Sanchez out of the game and Alejandro Sendejas who just scored a goal for you out of the game. Air after air after air and here you are. Club America out of La Liga. So I'm going to give some credit to Toluca here because we got plenty of time to, uh, to dissect what happened with Club America. One, I think you're right to point out Memo Choa, specifically the comparison with Diago Volpi, right? Toluca get through here, I think, in large part to the performance from Volpi. And that difference between his performance and Memo's performance is very well the difference between Toluca advancing and America advancing. So I think right there, uh, you can look at the goalies and you can point to that as a difference. But generally, beyond that, Herc, Toluca really stifled this America attack. It's crazy to think that Santos, in 90 minutes in that first leg against Toluca, the 4-3, did more damage to Toluca than America did in 180 minutes, including 90 minutes at home, when they were desperate to score. That credit, that credit has to go, I think, to the manager, right? We're going to talk about Dan Ortiz. I think we have to talk about Nacho Ambriz, Ignacio Ambriz, who to me is again proving that he is one of, if not the best Mexican managers, because Everywhere that this guy has gone in Mexico recently, he's won. He's won a cup with Necaxa. He's won a, a league with Leon. He's won a CONCACAF Champions League with America. He went to Huesca. He tried himself in Europe. He bravely went over there and, yes, failed, but I so think grew. Brave. And honestly, for me, Ambris, if I were to look into the future and think about Mexican candidates for a national team head coach, Nacho Ambris to me is at the top of the list, and he's at the top of the list for why Toluca was able to beat America. So here. brave. I'm glad he came back alive. Uh, you really going to tell me that Club America didn't just miss chance after chance and that it was Santos who did more damage? Yeah, Santos did more damage because they ended up scoring the goals. But did you watch leg one? Did, did, you, watch, did you watch leg two? Santos in their series scored the goals. America couldn't score the goals. They missed the opportunities. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, Seb, if you don't think that Club America had more than enough opportunities to turn the series around. 
Sure, opportunities, of course. The players didn't finish. We'll get to the blame game in just a second. America had every advantage uh, as well. If you look at the format, it's not like MLS. It's, it's forgiving in that way. There's two legs, including one at home. You had the tiebreaker on top of that because of league position, which puts the onus on Toluca. There was every advantage America could want, plus the fact they got to rest in the second leg because they demolished Puebla in the first leg of the quarterfinals. Got to rest basically everybody in there the attack but Henry Martin. So, no, there, there's no excuse for America, but we cannot just talk about Toluca getting to the final and put it all on America and not give Toluca any credit. Let's now point not just a finger, but perhaps many fingers at America. Let's play an edition of should they stay or should they go estilo Club America. And we got to start at the top, or at least the manager. Tano Ortiz, Herc. should he stay or should he go after what he himself called un fracaso deportivo, a sporting failure? He should stay. And I said he should go last go around last season after they were eliminated, but you took a team to 13 straight wins, a record 51 goals scored in that calendar season. Uh, the players love him. He's given them an identity. This is a team that relates to everybody. People like to watch this team play. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd be hard pressed to find a better situation, a manager, manager in a managerial situation than Dan Ortiz in Club America right now. He's got to stay. Just remind me, just remind me, when he was an interim, did you want him to get the job? I just told, do you not listen to when I speak? Mm -hmm. That's literally the first thing I said, Salazar. Do you not listen? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I will admit he made some mistakes here. I think you pointed it out, the, the decision to go with Brian Rodriguez instead of Cabecita Rodriguez. You can look at that in the second lag. You can, you can definitely criticize that more in hindsight. I think generally, though, if you look at the, the second half of the second leg, America never seemed to hit a gear that suggested they realized the urgency of needing a goal. And I'm talking, Herc, about like very basic stuff. When Toluca puts 11 guys behind the ball, either the players or the manager, Tan Ortiz, needs to figure out, hey, we don't need four guys in the back line sitting back here, right? We can probably, we can probably either take a guy out or send a guy forward and be more dangerous there. I felt like America never really adjusted, and that I put on Tan Ortiz. However... However, I'm not ready to push the eject button on him just yet. I will give him at least another season, but the expectations at America are always high. If he doesn't win a title, if he doesn't win a title the next season, then definitely uh, time to go for Tano Ortiz. Next on the hot seat, should he stay or should he go? Ooh, ooh production feeling spicy today. The goalie, Memo Ochoa, who has been in contract talks to renew with America. It sounds like things are moving in the right direction, but nothing official as of yet. So should Memo stay or go? Memo's got to stay. Memo's one of these players that should not only stay, but should end his career at mm. Club America. Um, he would be a starting goalkeeper in out of the 18 teams in Mexico, probably 15. That's a, that's a reality of how good he is still at this level. He made some errors, yes. Big errors, yes. Did they cost him? Yes. But the reason they lost the series? Probably not, but it's yeah. it's one of the things that contributed to it. But he's a player that should absolutely stay. And when I think about Club America, if I could think of one symbol, one player that represents all that, it's Memo Ochoa. Well, we focus on the goal in the first leg that he gave up that everybody criticized. Uh, but also, I think the goal in the second leg, you got to look at it and say, boy, he's, he's in his goal. It's classic Memo Ochoa that as that ball Ooh. gets deflected in, he is under the crossbar. Nothing on Cáceres in that in. second goal? 
Wow. It's touched. It's touched it. Yes, of course, there are other people to blame, but Memocho is not coming anywhere off his line. Tough and that's, crowd. that's always the criticism for him. Of course, you keep him. Uh, the one question is, can you do more with that salary? And is there somebody willing to pay him more, right? Major League Soccer, Memocho, I think for a lot of reasons, uh, that could make sense, could make it tougher for America to keep a player like that if he wants to pursue money at this point in his career, certainly uh, after the World Cup. All right, uh, what else on the cut list? Who else is on here? Ah, Roger Martinez, the Colombian international. Should he stay, Herc, or should he go after America crash out in the semifinals against Toluca? Not only should he go, he should have been out a year ago. Thank you. And this is a reality, and this is for Roger Martinez, this is for all parties involved, Club America, whatever the case may be. I've never seen in my time covering the sport or in or around Liga MX a player treat Club America the way that Roger Martinez has treated them. The lack of respect that Roger Martinez has had for Club America is beyond me. And trust me, I've seen some players come and go Club America and Liga MX. I've never seen a situation like Roger Martinez at Club America. Yeah, too many questions around him. What's his best position? Is he happy at Club America? Um, the one thing we do know is he probably has some value. If not elsewhere in Liga Mekis, we know there's been interest uh, from MLS and being a Colombian international. Surely somebody uh, might be willing to take him off America's hands. One more player to revise here. It's another attacking player. Another player from South America. Federico Viñas, the young Uruguayan attacker. Herc, what do you think? Should he stay or should he go? He should go. And not for Club America, but for his own benefit. He reminds me so much of Henry Martin sitting, waiting, biding his time as the second number nine at Club America and they'd never give him a chance. This is a guy that's waiting to explode if given the proper chance. He could find that elsewhere. I think he'd be a massive star. Nico Ibanez style of player that can surprise people. Campeonato de Goleo, etc. But he's got to go. He's not going to find that sin behind Henry Martin right now. So you think he should go for his own good, if I'm looking at it from the Club America perspective, I think he should stay. Uh, I know the minutes haven't always been there, but ever since Vinas got to Club America, I've always liked what he brought. The work ethic, the ability to do things for others in the final third, the versatility, the willingness to come off the bench, that's a very valuable piece for Club America. We also know he's in the, uh, the kind of younger processes for the Uruguay national team, so some, some future potential there, maybe as an asset, uh, I think he should stay. All right, enough on the... On the semifinal that most people were talking about, Club America and Toluca, what about the so-called other semifinal? Rayados and Pachuca, second leg Sunday in Monterrey after Pachuca won the first leg 5-2. Rayados with 24 shots in this one, but uh, Oscar Ustari up to pretty much all of them. Yeah, every single one of them. Uh, Monterrey playing at home, by the way. Monterrey with the million dollar squad, by the way. 11 shots on goal in this game for Rayados, and when Ustari wasn't up for it, the post was up for it. Oh, it's the post's fault. It's the post's fault. Only goal of the game comes from Aviles Hurtado, the stoppage time penalty against his former team. Yes, sir. Pachuca, 1-0 winners Don't on the day. Things. 6 2 aggregate winners. Respect. So, Herc, you've been calling this for a while. Rayados. Out in the semifinals. It's a fracaso, but is it a worse fracaso than Club Américas? Fracasote. Worse than Club Américas. The investment for Monterrey here. The millions and millions and millions of dollars, more than any team in Mexico. Every single one in that starting lineup and on the bench 
mundialistas, ex mundialistas, the cream of the crop, the winningest coach in Liga MX available today, coaching them. A team that only gave up 13 goals in the regular season that in two games gives up six, almost half that. And at home, couldn't score one measly goal in front of that crowd. They couldn't score the goal, so what did the crowd do? They showed their colors, they showed the fracasote. This is a fracaso of all fracasos with that team. Not one single player, puso el pecho. Not one single player for that pride. I don't know what to say, Seb. You keep telling me like this is gonna be a surprise team. You kept telling me no, da, da, da. fracaso, I've been saying it from day one. So then how's it a fracaso? If you've been calling it, if you knew it was gonna happen, it can't be that much of a surprise, can't be that much of a failure. Well, no, not everybody thinks like me. Uh, the one thing I would say is the, the expectativas, as you always say. The expectations are always more for an America than a Rayados. But, to your point, Rayados spent more than America and, in this case, have a manager with much more experience. From a managerial perspective, this is much worse for Vucetich, isn't it, than for Tano Ortiz, right? He was the guy that was supposed to get this team over the hump uh, and he fails. So I think it's pretty clear there. Rayados still, their, their title drought three years. America's four years, um, so you can compare the fracasos for sure, but uh, I think I think America's is worse. Maybe that's just because it hit me more on uh, on Saturday than, than the Rayados fracaso on Sunday. What about Pachuca, Herc? They are in a second straight final in Liga MX under Guillermo Almada. The question here is, is he the best manager in all of Liga MX? Sure is. Uh, your boy picked Pachuca in the preseason uh, as champions, and I'm sticking with it. Uh, mainly in part because of Guillermo Almada and that system that he deploys, the way he gets the most out of every single player. Nico Ibañez was on the bench at Pachuca before Guillermo Almada came and took over, made him a goal scorer. He was already a goal scorer, but made him feel important enough where now he's the best goal scorer in all of Mexico. They didn't have any big stars. He created these big stars. Mm -hmm. Kevin Alvarez, Luis Chavez, uh, Aviles Hurtado got a second wind under him. This is a team that plays as a unit because of Guillermo Almada. Almada, who by the way, in the last four tournaments, two years, has now been in the finals, three of those tournaments. With Santos against Cruz Azul, the one they lost. Last season against Atlas, they lost. And now again against Toluca, remains to be seen. But he's easily the best coach in Liga MX at the moment. You mentioned Kevin Alvarez, reports that the Ajax were in the stands to watch him, among others for the second leg of the semifinals. Almada, of course, from Uruguay. We always focus on the Argentine dominance in Liga MX and really in Mexican soccer, but how about the list of Uruguayans that have had success? Siboldi, uh, who of course won with Santos, Diego Alonso, uh, and Gustavo Matosas, who did it back in the day, the doblete with Leon. So yeah. there's, there's, there's a lot of, of Uruguayan history, great Uruguayan managers. Speaking of, of managers, you weren't impressed with my suggestion uh, of Nacho Ambriz for a potential L3 head coaching job. What about Almada? Would you hate that? I wouldn't hate it. Uh, let me just get back to really quickly Nacho Ambriz. You're one of these people that harps on Liga Mekis needing to change things, needing to re re reinvent themselves, look for bigger and better for a quinto partido, and you want to go back to a guy who's been in the setup for quite some time, maybe not as a number one, but he was with Javier Aguirre in this Mexican national team, so I don't know if that's necessarily the best idea there. Guillermo Amada, you can do worse than a Guillermo Amada. I love the principles of his game. I love how dynamic his teams are. I love how suffocating they can be with said dyna uh, play, dynamic play. You could do worse than him. I like Guillermo Amada.
All right, so Guillermo Almada has Pachuca into the Liga MX final where they will face Toluca. First leg on Thursday at the Bombonera of Mexico in Emesio Diez. And then on Sunday at, Palu at Pachuca at the Estadio Hidalgo. First leg Thursday, second leg Sunday of the Liga MX final. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Well, it's now time for the start of the draw. USA! The United States of America are the most successful team in the history of the tournament with four titles. Netherlands. Runners up to the United States in 2019. Vietnam. Vietnam have made history by becoming the first team from the nation to qualify for a men's or women's FIFA World Cup. Group A, playoff winner. The winner of the match between Cameroon and Thailand will play Portugal for the Group A playoff slot. Group B, USA, Vietnam, Netherlands, Group A playoff winner. The U.S. women's national team drawn into Group E for the 2023 World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. The draw taking place late Friday night if you're on the West Coast, early Saturday morning if you're on the East Coast, as you saw, drawn into the U.S. group, Netherlands out of pot two, out of pot three, Vietnam, and out of pot four, a team to be determined from an intercontinental playoff, which will include Portugal, Cameroon, and Thailand. Let's get some reaction from the manager, Vladko Anonofsky. Yes, uh, we started preparing for the World Cup a long time ago, but now when we know the opponent, it's actually digging deep, uh, getting into details, and uh, it's not just preparing for the World Cup, now we're, we're preparing for the opponents as well. 
I'm very excited about uh, the matchup against uh, Netherlands. Uh, and uh, even though we've played them before, we've played them in the Olympics, we've played them in the World Cup, I don't see this as a, as a rematch of any of those matches because uh, we are bringing different uh, different group. Uh, well, they are going to have slightly different lineup as well. So even though it's going to be a good game, it's going to be a good matchup, uh, it's going to be a good show, it's not going to be a rematch of any of the previous games. All right, for more reaction to the U.S. draw, we bring in Julie Foudy, who, of course, has won a couple World Cups during her illustrious career. Uh, Julie, usually you leave the, the dripping to us here on Football Americas, but you're rocking your own gear today. Uh, what is that? <laughs> I know. Look at me. I had to try and stay with your drip. Um, this is the new jersey of Manchester Laces. Manchester Laces, you're wondering wh who they are? Well, let me tell you, boys, they are the first ever inclusive women's and non-binary football club in Manchester. And yes, that's Manchester, England. Uh, and there's actually a place called Foudies.com that makes these jerseys. So they're a sponsor of the club. And check it out. Oh, there check we go. Out. Wow. Can you see the back? Huh? 99ers. Beautiful. Oh, yeah, we see it. Major yes. drip. All right. Wow, the personalized so, yeah. jersey, Herb. Major we don't even get that treatment here. At, we, uh, we definitely do not get that treatment. Uh, Football Americas. All right, uh, let's dive into this group, uh, Julie, because I'm looking at it here. You see Netherlands, you see Vietnam, and then I'm looking at the three teams in that playoff. Yes, Cameroon and Thailand, but I think uh, it's most likely that it'll be Portugal that ends up coming out of that playoff. So I look at that group, Julie. I think Netherlands, not only do we know them from the World Cup final in 2019, we know them from the knockout round of the last Olympics that gave the U.S. all they could handle yep. there. Uh, and then you think about that Portugal team that we saw at the Euros over the summer. They were pretty good. So I see this group, and I see it as pretty difficult, especially given how the U.S. has been playing of late. How would you rate the difficulty of this group? I actually see it as a very doable group. I think with the expanded field, obviously this is the largest World Cup they've had on the women's side with 32 teams. I think the clear front runners, of course, are the Dutch and the United States. And I think Portugal, although they had their moments at the Euros, uh, susceptible to giving up a lot of goals and pretty leaky. So um, I do think this is a very winnable group. The other really positive to this group is there's not a lot of travel. All three mm. of the United States games are in New Zealand, as we know, and our charter flight. Thank you, FIFA, for finally doing that. Um, and then if they win their group, they avoid Sweden, possibly, because uh, they'll cross over to Group G, and it looks like it could be Italy if they finish up as the runner-up. But um, I think then, then they go to Australia, to Sydney, but then if they win that round of 16, their quarterfinal and semi back in New Zealand at stadiums they're comfortable with. Mm. So I think it actually sets up quite well for the United States. And also that quarterfinal match could be against Group A, which is the weakest group, I think, with New Zealand, the top of that, that group. They, uh, as a co-host, got into that top seed. So I think overall, Vlad Gwandanovsky and the national team are thinking, okay, we know our opponents. And this is actually a very doable, winnable group. Unbelievable. Sebi's hedging his bets over there. He told me the U.S. women's national team was the best team in the world, and now he's saying it's a difficult group. It's treating <laughs> it like the group of death. I, Julie, I want to know, all right, if this isn't the group of death, because it obviously isn't, very uh, favorable group and cross, what is the group of death? Is there a group of death? 
You know, there it, there's less a group of death because of the expanded field, but I think those first two groups you're seeing right there are your two toughest groups, Group B and Group D. I would actually probably list Group B as the tougher one because you have the co-host and Australia in that group. We know Ireland had to get through on playoff, but they've been looking strong. Nigeria can always create problems for you. Canada, obviously Olympic gold medalists. Um, I think they were a bit unlucky not to be seeded in pot one. Spain got that seed, so Canada gets into this tough group. But that Group D is equally tough as well. Denmark, China, and England. Um, and we'll see what the playoff group is out of that. But in general, it's pretty clear with this setup as so many teams in the expanded field, who your top two are pretty much in each group. Yeah. But who I knows? I, I think there's a good shout there for Group D if it's Haiti. I mean, we saw how good they were yeah. in CONCACAF qualifiers. I think uh, yeah. that could be a tough group. I didn't see it on the list there, but Group F has Brazil and France, uh, you know, France, we know they have talent. Brazil have talent too, maybe some chronic underachieving there, but uh, a couple other groups that could prove to be uh, at least tough to pick, I think, as we get, get closer to the World Cup. Yeah, Go ahead, Julie. and I, I, I will say that's, that's the really cool thing about the women's game and the growth of the women's game is that there are teams that in the past you'd be like, no way. And then you're like, mm -hmm. wait, Haiti. Wow, they kind of yep. they kind of impressed. Or Africa's getting better. And you never would think Africa would be contenders, right? So I think that's the beauty of the growth of the women's game is that you've got you know, a good nine teams who have a good look at winning this World Cup. Okay, so let's focus here on the uh, on the cruce, as, uh, as Herc will call it, or, or what the bracket really looks like, Julie, because you, you kind of touched on this. The first game could probably be against uh, Italy, maybe Argentina, right? Second place out of Group G. The quarterfinal would be, as yep. you say, very likely against the Group A winner. That's New Zealand's group. The best team, if we go off ranking in that group, would be Norway, but they were terrible uh, at Euros, so, so that could be a very accessible game for the U.S., even beyond that, Julie, the semifinal is probably the Group C winner. That's Spain or Japan. Two very technical teams, two teams that have done great at youth international right. level, um, but maybe recently haven't done great at the senior international level. Then I look, Julie, at the other side of the bracket. It's England, France, Germany, the winner of the group at death. Uh, the bottom line question here is, are we headed to a USA England rematch uh, in this in the final of the World Cup. Settle down, Sebi. Settle down, Sebi. You never ever beware the person the, beware the person who looks ahead like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, you do think, and this is actually the first time I've ever thought this way about the US, which is not a good sign, by the way, is like, oh, great. The US avoids as you just listed all those teams. I think there was five teams out of the top nine teams that are on the other side of the bracket. And, th and then I catch myself and I'm like, what? What? Come on. We always want to play the best. Let's go through everyone. I mean, literally the U.S. had to roll through all of Europe, the best team in Europe to win the last World Cup. So I don't like that mentality. But yes, it does possibly juicily. Is that a word? No. Yep. Uh, yep. Very juicy final in England or maybe Germany, U.S. Mm -hmm. in the final. Mm. USA England a rematch not just of the game that we just saw at Wembley which was fantastic full of controversy but also of course the semi-final uh, at the 2019 World Cup that the USA won thanks to a huge save from a listener so there we have it uh, maybe just maybe headed to a USA uh, England final at the World Cup but uh, as Julie warns here we can't get caught looking too far ahead uh, not that far ahead Julie Danger. Gaming, you and I are gonna be calling uh, USA against Germany uh, coming up here on ESPN. That on November 13th, last game of the year and potentially also 
um, a World Cup final preview. We know Germany made it all the way to the final of the European Championships before falling to the hosts, England. All right, let's move from the international game to the National Women's Soccer League. Semi-finals going down this weekend. Sunday, Portland hosting San Diego. Eight minutes in, Julie. San Diego goes ahead through Taylor Korniak, who cannot be stopped in the air. And uh, So good. And look at Alex Morgan, so much time on the ball. She just looks up. Korniak finding the seam. I mean, that's a gift, really, uh, for the Waves to be in that in that area early on. Portland responds in the oh. 20th minute. <laughs> Raquel Rodriguez, Julie, fantastic. <laughs> Rocky Rodriguez with this equalizer, uh, and that was just a beauty. But it all came down to stoppage time, and it had to be. There it is. Crystal, Crystal Dunn, Dunn. Five months returned. Five months returned from having Marcel, her son, and she just scores a cracker to send them on to the final. What a goal that was for Crystal Dunn. And to see her in that moment, mm -hmm. five months out from having a baby, uh, and for her to come in, obviously she's been getting a little bit more time. They're trying to add more minutes. But again, she's only five months out from having Marcel. And to be in that position um, and that moment, given what the club has been going through with the Sally Yates report and all the turmoil behind this club, for her in that moment to rise up and to have the, all those fans there, because that was a big question mark as well, was would the fans come? Would they support Merritt Paulson and the ownership group there? And the players said, please come. Um, so I was just thrilled for her and for the team. Yeah, pretty impressive stuff there from the uh, from the Portland Thorns as they get it done. Not just done, but really uh, the team as well, Julie. You got to think that momentum's going to be get big heading into the final, right? I do, I do think that. But I tell you what, I mean, don't underestimate Kansas City. Mm. I mean, this is a team that went from last to first and is riding a ton of momentum as well, and it's a. It's just there's a joy to that Kansas City team and a comfort level with them um, that can be dangerous for Portland. All right. Speaking of Kansas City, let's uh, check out the highlight because they actually uh, faced off in the second semifinal on Sunday night against the top seed, the Shield winning O.L. Reign uh, from the regular season. And early on in this one, Alexis Loera put Kansas City up 1-0. Fourth minute just gets across the line, Julie. Yeah, and that's the exact start they needed because they were playing, and of course it was a rain home game. Seattle fans, Tacoma fans going crazy. And then it just shut the stadium down. And so you see a Kansas City team that was playing a lot of defense, but then Kristen Hamilton gets free, gets open. And as we've seen her do so often in NWSL, she's not gonna miss this one. And then, Seattle, oh, rain, just trying to really dig out of a hole. And with the talent you see on the rain, uh, it's surprising they weren't able to pull one back. But A.D. Mm -hmm. French in goal for Kansas City is a big reason why they couldn't. I mean, A.D. French has just been phenomenal this season, as we've seen. But in that game, my goodness, there was nothing getting beyond her. Julie, big picture. How do we explain this, this Kansas City current turnaround? I mean, they were, they were last place last year, and here they are now in a final. Yeah, it is, it is remarkable, really. I mean, as you said, Sebi, last place, they lost the last, the, sorry, the first five, they went on, they did not win, sorry, in their first five games in the start of the season. And then they've just gone on this tear. On top of that, they didn't have Sam Mewis. They didn't mm -hmm. have, 
they brought in. Um, and I think a lot of that goes to the, the joy and chemistry, which I was talking about. You see them just having so much fun. Lola Bonta, uh, a leader in that uh, with her goal celebrations. But you also have an ownership group that is phenomenal with Angie and Chris Long, with Brittany uh, Matthews as well, Mahomes. And they're spending, they're investing, they're watering that garden. They've spent 18 million on that training facility. Um, they've spent 107, this is privately funded money, 117 in a women's soccer specific stadium that they're gonna start in Kansas City. And by all accounts, for people who have seen the training facility, it is phenomenal and it's theirs and it's for this team. And so the players, I think, feel that. I mean, it's a change in ownership in that 2.0 version, or you want to call it 4.0 in the NWSL that's so been needed. Um, but you can see it in the results on the field and the chemistry off the field um, by that ownership group as well. Okay, Julie. I'm a betting man. I'm from Vegas. If I wanted to put my hard-earned money, should mm -hmm. I go for the Portland history, the stability, or that Casey current <laughs> turnaround? Where am I putting my money? Who's the favorite in the NWSL yeah. final? Oh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one, Herc. I, um, uh, I, because I do think Kansas City's riding a lot of momentum right now, but I just feel like Portland, with that history and with the players that they have, mm. In particular, when you have a Sophia Smith running at back lines, you got Morgan Weaver next to her. You got Rocky Rodriguez, who cracked what we saw uh, that goal uh, in the semifinal. I mean, they got a lot of talent that you got to hang with. Becky Sauerbrunn holding that back line down. So Bella Bixby doing well in goal. I, I'm going with Portland, although I think Kansas City is going to put a game together for them in this final. All right, there it is. Julie Foudy picking the Portland Thorns to win it all at the NWSL Championship this weekend uh, in Washington, D.C., by the way. Uh, so the Portland Thorns there, the, uh, the pick from Julie Foudy. All right, great stuff, Julie. Great to have you with us. Uh, we look forward to the NWSL Championship, and we'll see you soon back here on Football Americas. Thanks, guys. All right, plenty more on the Portland Thorns and their appearance in the NWSL final over on the website. Jeff Carlisle, who was in Portland for the semifinals, read his work over at ESPN.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Hi, Herc, let's run it back. Checking on U.S. men's national teamers abroad. 
Weston McKinney with a goal for Juventus against Empoli. It came in the 55th minute of a 4 nothing win. Another header goal for Weston McKinney sub. That's what my man does. One of the best headers in Serie A. And that's not my opinion. They're numbers. Second best in Serie A since he joined. Big goal for Weston McKinney. Big win for Juventus who are not having a great start to the season. They currently sit eighth in Serie A. In the Bundesliga. Ah, no. The Eredivisie. Ricardo Pepe with a goal for Groningen. As they... No. Sorry. It is the Bundesliga. It's Gio Reyna with a goal and a 5-0 win for Dortmund against Stuttgart. Yeah, it may seem insignificant because of the scoreline, but massive goal for Gio Reyna. Boosting that confidence. Right time. Came in the 44th minute there, his first goal in 14 months. Here's Ricardo Pepe's goal for Groningen, who beat PSV 4-2, his fifth league goal, sixth across all comps. Uh, forget about PSV for a second and that scoreline and what's going on. Ricardo Pepe, six games, five goals, one assist. My man is heating up. Heating up, heating up, heating up. All right, so three goals there for American internationals in Europe. Which goal was the biggest, Herc? Who needed it more? This is one of the easiest questions you've asked me in quite some time. It's Gio Reyna, and it's not even close. I mean, 421 days since his last Bundesliga goal. Scores this goal, hopefully puts a very injury-ridden season year behind him. Gets confidence, stays fit, and goes in the right way heading into the biggest moment of his very young career. The pinnacle for any footballer, the World Cup. This is what he needed. It's mental right now. We've seen him over this past year suffer injury after injury, setback after setback. Mentally, along with the physical, he's not been there. Hopefully, this takes him over the hump. That's why this is the most important goal. That's why this means the most. Yeah. You could see in the reaction, right? Not just from Reyna. Uh, he seemed to have a, a, a moment there, but also from his teammates. Yeah. They all know uh, what he's gone through. They were all very happy as he, as he got the goal and a, a big win over Stuttgart. So certainly a needed goal for Gio Reyna. Hard to argue against it. I will make the case for Weston McKinney because I think McKinney, of all the players, is probably one of the biggest names that had the worst last window for the U.S. If we think about the games against Saudi Arabia, and for me, Herc, very specifically, his performance against Japan. It was not great. So I think since then, he's needed to have bounce back performances and see his role grow at Juventus, and it has. It's not just this header goal. It's the fact that he settled into a starting role for Juventus at a very critical time for the club. As we mentioned, they're not off to a great start in the season. And as you said, it was his bread and butter. He is really, truly one of the best midfielders in all of Serie A since his arrival in the league when it comes to headed goals. And that's exactly what he brings to the U.S. men's national team as well. So a huge goal, I think, for Weston McKinney, not just with his club, but also with the national team. But to his club, there are also, Herc, right now, many links that Juventus may be considering selling him. Now, I don't know that what's best for Weston McKinney eventually isn't a move away from Juventus. He's been linked with Spurs most recently in the Premier League. But when you score goals, eventually the choice becomes yours. Instead of Juventus saying, well, this guy isn't scoring goals, this guy isn't producing for us, now maybe it's more in Weston McKinney's camp, okay? Maybe now there will be interest that drives 
his potential move, but he's not going to get shipped off because Juventus doesn't see a, a need for him, a use for him. Certainly, he's he's producing. Ricardo Pepe is also producing. We probably got to mention him, too. With all that we talked about, Jesus Ferreira, you can't understate the value of Ricardo Pepe, who is not just scoring against PSV, a big goal for him, Herc, but doing what Greg Berhalter said he would do. He is dominating the Dutch league. Yeah, dominating the Dutch league, and he also happens to be the only forward in Greg Berhalter's pool with equity for Greg Berhalter, who Greg Berhalter should feel in some way, shape, or form indebted to him and his decision-making. And also, by the way, uh, that first window in World Cup qualifying, he did save Greg Berhalter's job. Yeah, uh, big goal for Pepe, big goal for his club team as well. It pulls them out of the relegation zone. Their first victory over PSV Herc since way back in 2014. All right, how about one is the loneliest number, Herc? Because it's our moment to focus in on the goalkeeping situation for the United States. And especially Ethan Horvath, who had this blunder for Luton oh, Town no. against Watford in the championship. That's a rivalry game! No! You never want to do this in any game! But let alone this game for Luton Town. A very important rivalry game. My man Jay Demerit, he will tell you, biggest rivals right there. You don't want to do that. Mm. Watford, 4 nothing winners. Uh, as Ethan Horvath and his team find themselves in one is the loneliest number. To Syria, where Chucky Lozano and Napoli were facing Roma over the weekend. Of course, uh, Napoli at the top of the league. Napoli ends up winning 1-0 on a goal from Victor Osimen. Chucky Lozano was in the crosshairs of Roma manager Jose Mourinho. The special one had this to say about Irving. Quote, in the second half, the performance went down a notch. Ibanez was forced to limit his tackles because that kid, Lozano, who dives all the time. Herc, shots fired from Mourinho at Juki. Are those shots warranted? Let me just say I love me some Jose Mourinho against mm-hmm. everybody talk. Mm-hmm. Are they warranted? No. Listen, Chucky Lozano could be a lot of things, but a diver... Not so much. He's actually one of the most fouled players in any game that I ever watch him play. He actually ends up receiving a lot of punishment from the opposition. And we saw the previous play right there. That doesn't look like a dive. That looks like a horse collar. Should have been a 15-yard penalty. Flag thrown, if you will. This is Chucky Lozano's game. He's very physical, confrontational. But I wouldn't say, sometimes an instigator, but I wouldn't say a diver. I wouldn't label him that way. So Jose Mourinho, why I love it and I appreciate it Mm -hmm. and I'm here for it, Mm -hmm. off base on this one. Yes, thank you very much. Remember how beat up Juki used to get in Liga Mekis when he was with Pachuca and every single player knew that he was the focal point of that attack. It's a point I brought up with the Mexican national team. If we're going to be Juki dependent, he better last because you know that uh, opposing defenses are not going to be shy about being physical with him. Uh, To your point about the most fouls received in the 2020 2021 season, there were two players in Europe that were more fouled than Chucky Lozano. One of them was Neymar, who does have a reputation as a diver. So maybe something here goes hand in hand. If you get fouled a lot, you get a reputation as a diver. I don't think it's fair with Chucky Lozano. And by the way, Herc, Jose Mourinho, after a loss, never have we known him to make excuses, right? Never never has that been his MO. Never here. have I never, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Never have we ever seen it. 
from uh, Jose Mourinho after a defeat, which he did suffer against Napoli, who continue to lead Serie A. In La Liga, meanwhile, we got Valencia against Barcelona. Tasty little matchup. That's Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. Perhaps some Yunus Musa for Valencia against Barcelona. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Football Americas. We will be back on Thursday. John Champion joining us for a full preview of the conference finals across Major League Soccer. Plus, Jeff Kasouf uh, will be here for more reaction on the draw. My USL pick's still good. Sacramento, Romo with a couple assists. I see it. I saw you guys. As well, Hercules, uh, I should mention, as a full preview of the NWSL final, which, of course, will be between the Kansas City current and Portland you Thorns. Let us size. see that jacket, bro. Let us see that jacket. What a good friend. Unbelievable. What a good friend. What have you ever got me? Your Aguilas. What have you ever got me in your life? Nothing but a headache. You owe me your life.